Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. You know, technology moves at the speed of light. Remember the days of 8-track players, answering machines? Uh, how about Betamax and VHS tapes? My six-year-old son, he's never going to understand the old saying, be kind, rewind, uh, let alone the notion of flipping over a cassette tape in the car. He's never seen even a CD player in the car because he's so used to seeing uh, us stream music by Bluetooth by our telephones. Uh, I often think about 1980. It was a big year for for us in the Joe household because uh, we were introduced to both a microwave and a VCR into the house the same year. Uh, And the biggest net change for me was that the VCR actually had a remote control. And, and the reason why it was a big deal is because up until that time, I was the remote control. So mom and dad are like, hey, come over here, change the stations. Um, today, we're having a conversation about the latest technology that people are putting into their homes. Um, all of the toys and the gadgets that, uh, that were never available to us, even as far away as two or three years ago. Uh, and one of the things that we'll also be covering today is turning your house into a fueling station for your car. Uh, We have three guests today. uh, Keith Johnson from Insight Automation International, Esteban Torres Bonet from Amped Electrical Contracting, and Julian Sale from Motorize, the EV or electric vehicle store. Uh, In the studio here with me today is Esteban and Julian. Uh, Thanks to both of you for coming. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. Great. Well, listen, we always uh, like to start off our show with a a request or a message that has come in. I had a telephone message that came in this week from a Carol, uh, and basically the uh, the question was, when are prices going to start dropping? And this is something that uh, that we're asked all the time, because I think for many people, it, it, it is unbelievable still today. The average sale price for a single-family home last month uh, hit an all-time record of $854,000, which is right up there. I think that puts us third in the country after Vancouver and Toronto, and this is small-town Victoria, British Columbia. So um, to answer Carol's question, when are prices going to start dropping? I know a lot of people are hoping that uh, the bottom's going to fall out, that the uh, bubble's going to burst, or whatever you want to call it, but... Let's consider a few things here. Uh, first of all, Victoria is a uh, multifaceted um, town as far as economics are concerned. We're not a mill town. We're not a uh, resources town. You know, we see some cities like uh, a number of years ago, Port Alberni, one of the mills shut down. And it caused an economic breakdown in the town. And people didn't have jobs anymore. They had to leave. Real estate prices started dropping. That cannot happen here in Victoria. When you think about what we have to offer, we are a government town, we're a military town, we are tourism, uh, lifestyle. People still come here because this is where they want to spend their final days. We talked about that when we had our senior show uh, a few weeks back. Uh, The other thing that we have here is it's a university town and also the fact that there is a big technology sector that exists here in Victoria uh, too. And, you know, technology is a funny one because these are people that are, are working out of their homes. We don't see them because they are, um, they're not retail spots. They're not offices. They are literally uh, just doing their work, consulting out of their home. Uh, I bet you Esteban bumps into these people because they need electrical work, right, and internet and stuff like that. Um, but uh, getting, getting back to when prices are going to drop, well, our population has grown. We're up to 365,000 people now. Uh, we haven't been building inventory enough. And I often mention that 
our geographics are such that we're surrounded by water on three sides. And we've got a Malahat on the fourth side. We can't expand. Unlike places like uh, Calgary or Edmonton, they just open up the, uh, the, the city limits and all of a sudden, boom, there's more inventory. We have no inventory now. Now, mind you, Carol, I do believe that things will start slowing down. They have to. They're not always like this. I mean, many people know I've been doing this now for 26 years. So I've seen this happen three times. Like the, the tension occurs. It's not like a, it's not like a bubble bursts. It's like a full balloon that is maybe a little bit too full right now. Some air needs to be let out. And it's going to happen at some point. Uh, but if you're hoping for prices to go down 50%, like I've heard some people hope, uh, honestly, it's not going to happen. As long as this remains a town that people want to end up coming to, it's a place that people can work, uh, you know, uh, the, the appeal is here. We're no longer a mystery. People know about Little Victoria. Part of it has to do with the expansion and growth in the Vancouver area. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think prices are going to start dropping uh, dramatically anytime soon. Uh, you are, we are going to see a correction by means of uh, when more inventory comes on. There's definitely going to be a reduction in the number of multiple offers. And those are cases where we see houses selling for $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 above ask price. That day will come to an end at some point. Um, but in any event, for those of you hoping to be able to buy Victoria Real Estate at 50% of today's prices, uh, I, can, I can truly honestly say that is not going to happen. So uh, there we go, Carol. Thanks for calling in. And as a reminder to everyone, if you have a question about real estate, uh, just get in touch with us here through the station at cfax1070.com, uh, or you can actually call my line direct at 250-414-6540, 250-414-6540. As we're talking about it, too, not only can you listen to our shows on the CFAX website, but you can also... Uh, uh, find us on a podcast on iTunes. Go to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. Uh, anyways, again, getting back to our guests, Esteban and Julian. Um, what we also like to start talking about is what you guys are experiencing out there in the real estate market. Um, you know, surely you know people or, or you have friends or family that are struggling, uh, either trying to buy or doing very well uh, with sales. Uh, tell us about what you've seen, Julian. Uh, well, it's interesting you should mention that uh, a lot of people, uh, I guess, we, we see some empty nesters uh, that uh, think it's time to downsize and sell their big property that they used to have, and they're finding that the, the properties they want to downsize to are just as expensive as the big home that they're selling. Oh. So the nest egg they were hoping for isn't there because the cost to replace is so high. I hear that a lot. Yeah, and actually on that too, sometimes it's a, it's a function of uh, it's hard to get their heads wrapped around the fact that they're coming from a really big house and a big property to maybe like a townhouse or a condo that is half the size, but very similarly priced, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Esteban? Yeah, my brother is uh, just looking for his first home now. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a struggle that he's had trying to find an affordable place that they would like to live at mm -hmm. for what they thought they would be originally able to purchase to what they're going to yeah. have to, I, I guess, adjust the expectations to yeah. what's available for, for the sums of money that are that are out there. Yeah, so do you know how long he's been looking? Has it been just a little while? Or? Uh, he's been looking for about a year, and uh, I think they're, they've narrowed it down now that uh, it's going to be a condo for them and not a house. Yeah. Just based purely on uh, to purchase a home, either it would require a tremendous amount of work or it would be in an undesirable location to get for, for the price point that they're looking for. So now they're, they've decided that a condo might be the, the better way for them to go. And, and this really is a reality. I think the, the, the reality is people who had the dream of starting off with a house, 
in their home ownership process. Uh, unfortunately, the, the reality is starting off with a condo is the most reasonable sense nowadays. It is absolutely, and uh, some of the places are fantastic. It, uh, they're beautiful condos that are being built right now. They're nice new units. Yeah, it's it's quite nice, I think. Well, you know, it's it's really no different than when you look at other metropolitan centers. I mean, we don't need to look for it. You go to Vancouver. I mean, everything there is condominium. It's high density. It is impossible for anyone to buy a detached house uh, anywhere within the uh, the city limits of Vancouver unless it's it's absurdly expensive, right? Absolutely. And this seems to be sort of throughout the most desirable cities in the world is that people start out in an, in an apartment or a condominium and then you eventually move up to a house, yeah. build some equity and, uh, and manage to, to work your way into that market. That's where you do it. Are you, so I didn't ask you guys before, are you both from town here? Are you from Victoria? Lifetime resident, yep. Julian, yes. I've been here 23 years, but I'm originally from Argentina. Okay. So what brought yeah. you here? I uh, just, my family moved here about 20, yeah, 23 years ago, we moved here, and uh, yeah. yeah, I've been in Victoria ever since. I loved it. Uh, I had friends that tried to get me to move to Calgary back in the <laughs> early yeah. 2000s when everybody when was trades. moving. Yeah. Exactly, but uh, but I stayed. I'm glad I did. Yeah, of course. Now, Julian, there, you know, whenever I, I'm talking to a, a room of people, I ask by show of hands how many locally born and raised Victorians there are. There's maybe 5%. Like, there's not that many of us. Well, truthfully, I was born in Burnaby, but oh, I've been here since count. I was one. You don't, oh, no. you're one of those guys. No, I'm you an say import. You're, okay, yeah. you're an import. Well, and that's the other thing, too. You know, we talk about uh, um, uh, out-of-towners, uh, uh, um, you know, foreign foreigners buying property here in Victoria, and the number one group of foreigners really right now are people from Vancouver. Yeah, right. Anyways, here we are. It's the whole home show with Tony Joe uh, talking about all the toys that your house can have. Taking a quick little break. We'll be back in just a moment. It's the whole home show with Tony Joe. Want to know about the latest technologies for your home? You're the right place because today we have with us Keith Johnson from Insight Automation International. Keith's on the line. Keith, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Keith, I was in a, a luxury home, and it was fantastic because walked into the entry. There was an iPad at the door. Uh, lights were turned on just by a, a little touch of the screen. Uh, walked to the living room where they have about 16-foot floor-to-ceiling windows. And, again, with a touch of a button, all of the shades went up, synchronized uh, in an amazing way. Uh, this is a demonstration of home automation, and you are the person that does this kind of work. So tell us about what people are, are putting in their houses nowadays, because things have definitely changed since, you know, even 10 years ago, even three years ago. Mm-hmm. The home automation market has really matured, and a lot of the products that were perhaps uh, challenged in the past have become more mainstream and easier to and more reliable to operate. So most people are are incorporating uh, motorized shading. We find that a, a, a very uh, hot item. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that there's no cords for people to have to pull, and they're so uh, quiet and reliable, yeah. and such a nice addition to the property. So we find a lot of motorized shades. Um, yeah, and especially as, as designs are getting more uh, creative and people are having these super high, uh, tall um, living areas where you can't even reach up to open or close blinds, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us more about what people are putting in. Um, there's quite a few different subsystems that people are bringing into the home automation scene for their home. Um, lighting is one of them. Um, you obviously have your, your traditional audio and video component where your televisions and sound. That's always been a main part of it. Um, there's also 
camera systems and your security system. Of course. Heating system can tie in. Um, if you have solar energy and you want to monitor it for yourself and see what you are actually producing or consuming, you can check your solar. You can also check your, uh, your regular loads that would come from BC Hydro for efficiencies. Um, there's so many things that can be included now. Yeah, and when you're, when you're talking checking these things, you, you, people can literally at work uh, dial up on their smartphone or, or online, presumably, and get a report about all these things, right? Correct. You can uh, do that as well as even set up alerts for yourself to email you or text message you when certain things and conditions happen. Wow. It's amazing how far things have gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. in the old days, and when I mean old days, I mean 10 years ago, uh, like you said, uh, uh, home media was, was a big deal. And, and you've got your home theaters, you've got your sound, you've got um, uh, your components and all that. But uh, but now, really, it is a, it's, it's a, it's a whole facet to the house, and, and presumably you need to be included from the desi- from the very beginning in the design stage, right? It certainly makes it easier for everyone, yes. Yeah. 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 Now, from from a cost perspective, I mean, obviously this is going to be a, a, a difficult question to ask here because the, it all depends on what somebody wants to put in. But um, what are people, how much are people spending on home automation items in their homes today? Well, that's a really good question. We get asked that a lot on our initial appointments with clients. And uh, typically, the control system is the brains of the operation. It does the does the work for you. Yeah. It, people can spend between five and say fifteen thousand dollars on a, a control system that is smart enough to do things. And then it's down to how many other systems you have in your home that you're controlling. So, you know, a motorized shade package could be from five thousand to fifty thousand, depending on how many shades you have. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the lighting, and then every other system that you add you know, to cameras for example you know one or two cameras or eight cameras depending on the size of the house so mostly the um the size of the home almost uh, drives the cost more than what you choose and you know, obviously you can choose more or less as you go but yeah see homes from say thirty thousand to you know the sky's the limit Sky's the limit, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but again, again I, I guess one of the big things here is it's really indicative of the type of property it is because when we're dealing with a luxury buyer, for instance, one who is coming, on from, coming in from out of town and is looking for a very special home, uh, in a sense, they're looking for features like this, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's different levels of automation. You can, you can go down different roads and you can kind of mix some of the more mainstream products that you can buy off the Internet and, and do a few things. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into a more luxury property, you you kind of need someone like us to take that same technology, but in a professional level, and install it and implement it for you. Yeah, so I'm just curious here, from from a um, retro standpoint, I mean, how often are you helping people with existing homes uh, build in all these features? Probably about 30 40% of our clients are retrofit, or perhaps clients that built 5 to 10 years ago and who are adding. And need the wireless capabilities. Yeah, you see that, and there's the point there. You know, you're, you're saying five to ten years ago. I mean, it's just amazing how quickly things, how, how quickly technology moves along, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think about what we had five or ten years ago. We're, we're using fax machines not that long ago, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, Wi-Fi is is a big one too because uh, you know people were attached to the the plug in the wall. Uh, some time ago, but of course nowadays everything is is wireless, right? 
There's a lot of things that are wireless. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like we have a we have quite a challenge actually with that because a lot of people make the false assumption that everything can be wireless. But the reality is, in your home, there's only so much wireless bandwidth and speed that you can get. So, although wireless is you know very popular in almost everything we get, we try to hardwire everything in the house that sits somewhere and has a stationary position. Yeah. So that it leaves the fastest Wi-Fi for your portable devices, your truly portable devices. Makes a lot of sense. So I, I guess your message there is to to go hardwire whenever whenever at all possible, right? Especially when you have a couple kids with Netflix on an iPad. <laughs> okay. Comes over, and the next thing you know, everybody wonders why the internet's slow. But uh, wow, you know what? And I think that's something that people forget about or take for granted a lot. It's true, isn't it? I mean, when you when you have kids and they and there's four. There's three or four devices um, requiring bandwidth on at the same time. It, it really slows it down, right? It does, and all of us are guilty because our phones have the weather app in them and all the little bits of data all add up, and the, the wireless highway, call it, in your home is only so big. And uh, so we, we try to encourage people to wire all the things they can and leave the speed for what you need for wireless for mobile devices. Wow. Amazing. And, of course, everything is, is, uh, is smart nowadays. I mean, uh, in the States there, they're talking about microwaves that can uh, spy on people, right? Yeah. So it's a whole other story yeah. altogether. Um, so we're on the line here with Key Johnson from Insight Automation International. What is the most popular install that you find yourself doing nowadays, Keith? We find it's a combination of probably four or five different systems that we would integrate or automate together with audio-video, obviously, is an element of it your televisions and sound system and usually a little bit of lighting control in your kitchen or great room mm-hmm. with a few motorized shades added in your security system camera at your front door and that that element is really replicated in most homes of the size we work in and just all that changes is maybe the quantity of the devices got it yeah. so here's the thing i mean we've talked about how things have changed even in the last five years uh, nobody's got a crystal ball of course but but uh, what do you think is coming up next what's the next thing I think people want automation. I mean, voice is coming. It, it's pretty much here. Yeah. Um, I think people want automation that they don't even have to ask for with a voice or do anything and automatically sets itself up. So I think people are looking for products that they go and buy, they enter their email, username, password, create an account, and it does its intended purpose um, without you know, a lot of complications. So I think manufacturers are going to need to make products that are intuitively finding out what people need without voice input, perhaps. Um, how they do that, we don't know yet, but um, we have a lot of clients who say, why do I even have to tell the TV to turn on or sound <laughs> to turn on? Yeah. So I think, I think that consumer um, thinking will push manufacturers further. Well, we're seeing that already. I mean, with, with our smartphones, Siri and things like that, we're, we're talking to our devices, and, and that's exactly how we're, how we're existing in life nowadays, right? Exactly. It's amazing. We're here with Keith Johnson. Keith from Insight Automation International. Uh, Keith, if people need to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, they can visit our website at www.insightai.com, mm-hmm. or they can uh, give us a phone call uh, at our offices, any of our offices, and we'd be happy to tell them what we do. Wow. So uh, on the line here with Keith Johnson, who has just basically told us that uh, pretty soon we won't be needing to press buttons to uh, command our technology to do what we want. All we need to do is speak to it or, as you alluded to, maybe not even do anything. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) It would be. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back in just a moment.
I feel like it's Christmas time. Today we're talking about the latest in toys for your home. And right now with us, we have Esteban Torres Bonet from Amped Electrical Contracting. Esteban, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Tony. Yeah, so one of the things that people commonly ask about is solar energy. And this is an area that you specialize in. Um, it's something that, you know, we saw to some degree years ago. You know, yeah. It, it did come up, and, um, and it's becoming more and more popular. It's, uh, obviously, people have become more environmentally conscious and trying to decrease our carbon footprint. And also, as the price of hydro keeps on going up, we're trying to find ways to see if we can put a little money back into our pockets and, uh, and just live a little bit greener footprint. Yeah. Greener, cleaner, yeah. Exactly. And, just, uh, and also, if you can uh, help with a BC hydro bill and try <laughs> to keep those down, then that makes a big difference, too. Yeah, so the other thing that I'm guessing here is technology probably has changed a lot as well, right? It has, absolutely. The cells are becoming uh, more and more efficient, and we're able to produce more electricity with the, with the available sunlight that is, that is hitting them, mm -hmm. which is uh, it's a huge thing for us here in the Pacific Northwest. As you know, we don't get uh, nearly as much sun as Arizona or Southern California or some of those places that would be... Yeah. Or yeah. the prairies, for instance, like uh, you know, Calgary gets a lot of sun, right? I exactly, exactly. So the, the efficiency of the cells has gone up dramatically. Yeah. And uh, so the cost to install the systems and your payback time just keeps on dropping yeah. just because of the, the technology that's making such a difference. Yeah, and, and how often do you find yourself uh, installing systems nowadays? They come up, you know, to be totally honest with you. In, the, in Victoria, we maybe do one or two a year. Okay. They're more common in private islands and places like that oh. where there is no hydro. Yes. Then they, that, that's where the bulk of the... When they're truly they, off the grid. Exactly. That's yeah. where the bulk of the systems get installed. Yes. But also in Victoria, it's becoming more and more popular as well as the price of the... As the payback time keeps on dropping. Yes. So uh, in the old days, I seem to remember like payback was long. It was like 25 years or something like that. Uh, it, it's still around the 25-year mark. Okay. But uh, as the price of hydro keeps on going up, yeah. the payback time decreases. But there's also another way to look at the, at the payback time is the increase in value to your home. Yes. It's like, um, it's like much like doing a bathroom renovation or a kitchen renovation. You think, do I get this money immediately? No. But if you're going to sell your home down the road, you, the price of your home goes up uh, goes up exponentially to basically cover the cost of the installation because it's something that the new buyer has that will that increases the, the value of the home. Yeah, or sometimes it, it can be the thing that causes people to choose that home if they're comparing, you know, two similar, they're having a hard time deciding between which one, and, and they'll go with the one with the, with, the, with the technology, right? Exactly, exactly. And it, and it makes sense. If you have the two options, why not pick the one that is going to put money back in your pocket? It's a greener, yeah. it's a greener technology, and... Uh, yeah, you're helping the environment, you're helping yourself. It makes sense. So for our listeners out there right now who maybe haven't considered a solar, a solar energy system on their home, can you, can you explain it? Like, how, how does it function? Absolutely. So typically, a, a standard system would have the solar panels that I think most people have seen or have seen a picture of. They're the black panels. They're about three feet by six feet wide. And they typically get mounted on the roof. If, they, if there's a large property, they can get mounted on the ground, but that's a little bit harder to achieve. And uh, so the way, and of course, the roof is an area that you're not using, anyways. Exactly, it's real estate that does basically nothing for you. Yeah. So if you have a nice south-facing roof, that's ideal. So the cells would get mounted in the in the roof. They have little microinverters that turn the solar energy. Well, this the panel turns it into electricity, and then it gets fed back into the grid. Okay. And uh, if you're say you're a home, people think well. 
the busiest time for solar electricity, it's the, when it produces the most, is the middle of the day when I'm not home. Yes. And in that case, the electricity will get sent back to hydro, and they will get discounted off your BC Hydro bill. Okay. So, so then at this point, the house doesn't store any, any of that energy for use at a later time? No, it doesn't. We can set it up that way as well, but it's, uh, it makes sense if you can just to sell it back to hydro and not have to worry about batteries or inverters and complicating the system. In an off-grid system, we store the electricity and batteries for a later use. Yeah. But in this case, we use BC Hydro as a storage facility. Yes. You put in credits in, and yeah. then when you use the electricity at a later date, you get credits out. So in the case of a private island, for instance, I'm guessing that the storage facility is probably a pretty pricey, pricey uh, um consideration, right? It is, absolutely. And also, it requires a fair bit of maintenance, right? Because we're talking about batteries that, that, that do require maintenance. Yeah. So it's easier just to sell it back to BC Hydro, and, and uh, it's simple. Uh, absolutely. And it's just a simple paperwork application, and uh, it's called net metering, and you sell it back to BC Hydro. You don't have to worry about batteries, storage, the space requirements. Yeah. Yeah, great. So we're here with Esteban Torres Bonet from Amped Electrical Contracting talking about solar energy. You know, I, I remember before what was common were the uh, solar energy systems that had that was um, the heated water. So they had water piping and everything. This is we don't see this nowadays, right? Absolutely. No, it's not as common anymore. Just I'm not I'm not exactly sure why, but <laughs> the the solar power it's a it's a great technology and really yeah. people should look into it and. Yeah. So when when you're installing systems like this, are they typically in newer homes or, or are you getting requests for uh, retrofits? No, quite a bit is retrofit application. I think that people have lived in a home for a while and they realize that this is something worthwhile. And it's, it's worth exploring to see what we can do, how the cost of installation and yeah, and also new construction as well. And if you are building a new home, it does make sense to, if you could, just pre-wire it. So you oh. don't have to come up with the initial expense of installing the panels. But if you can run the wires and get it mostly set up, yeah. then that covers, it's a very small amount of upfront, but it'll cover you from having to cut walls later, repair drywall, repaint, and it just makes life a lot easier. So obviously it would depend on the number of solar panels that uh, somebody has and the amount of energy that they can capture from, from daylight. But how much how much power could they actually generate? Like, could they generate um, a quarter of the house usage, or maybe even a half? Or it's very hard to say because it depends. Every house is uh, unique, and people's power uses are individual. Yeah. If it's electric baseboard heat or electric it, power versus gas, or exactly. Yeah. And uh, if the home is being set up as an Energy Star home, and say you have LED light bulbs, yeah. you try to keep your phantom loads to a minimum. You unplug all your chargers then somebody like that would get far more back than if you sort of more of an energy hog, I guess. And what sort of price range are people looking at for solar energy? It's roughly between 4 and $5 per watt installed. And most systems are between 4 and 5 kilowatts. Okay. So they vary in price between fifteen dollars to $20,000 on average. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, I seem to remember they were super expensive in old days. That does seem a little more reasonable nowadays. Absolutely. The price is almost half of what it used to be, actually. Wow. Well, you know what? Actually, you just brought up something that I want to touch on as well, too, and it's separate from, from solar uh, energy, but you're talking about LED lights. Like, uh, and this is an area that we're seeing people uh, doing a lot of in their home today is, is um, fitting new light bulbs because that's making a big difference too, right? Oh, it's huge. And uh, you're cutting in. The, an LED light bulb uses 10% of the electricity. Than the uh, usual bulb. Than the usual incandescent light bulbs, and it lasts up to 50,000 hours of use versus 2,000 hours. Yeah. 
So they're they're fantastic, and the quality has gone up dramatically from what we were used to three or five years ago. That they used to be that blue harsh light. Yes. Now they're really nice. They they almost look you, like a one-to-one. You have choices now too. Like there's different there's different types: the soft white or the daylight or whatever things that I, I've noticed. Absolutely, and uh, they they look fantastic, and uh, yeah, it make it makes a lot of sense, really. Yeah, and the other and the other thing too, of course, you you can tell when you're standing underneath one of these LED lights because you don't get the heat. Like you do with a uh, with a regular incandescent bulb, right? Absolutely, and that's part of the efficiency, right? Because an incandescent bulb generates a tremendous amount of energy, goes yeah. out to heat, not towards light. Yeah. Where this LED bulb is far more efficient in generating light from the electricity that it receives. Now, of course, when you're replacing a incandescent with a LED, all you're really doing is just unscrewing and screwing back in, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's a one-to-one -one, uh, replacement. It's a it's a very simple job. But, however, I, I do understand, because we bumped into this ourselves, too, that things like dimmer switches aren't necessarily uh, compatible, right? That is the that is the problem with some of the older electronic dimmers, that they don't work very well with the LED light bulbs. But the new dimmers are more than capable to handle the LED lighting loads. Yeah, because we we had a we had a client who just changed their light bulbs and with the dimmer um, uh, I think some of them or one of the lights just never went out because there was always a little bit of juice that's going through, I guess, and it was enough to power the LED. It, there is they require such little amount of power to actually see visible uh, light that uh, yeah, it's uh, it's some of the older dimmers have an issue handling that, but they if you're replacing the light bulbs going in with an LED compatible dimmer, it's it's good. It's an easy process. Well, you know, I think yeah. we can talk a lot more about electrical stuff. Uh, we're here with Esteban Torres Bonet from Amped Electrical Contracting. How can people get in touch with you, Esteban? If they can call us at 250-882-5282, that'd be great. They can look us up on the web at ampedelectricalcontracting.com. And, uh, yeah, those are the best ways to get a hold That's of us. That's perfect. In a minute, we're going to be talking about turning your home into a charging station for your car. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. You know, the home is so much more than just a place to hang your hat. We've been on the phone today with Keith Johnson, who was talking about automation and all the neat things that you can do uh, in your home. I also had a conversation with Esteban uh, Bonnet from Amped Electrical Contracting, who was uh, covering things like solar energy and uh, even a little bit about LED lighting and ways to make your home more efficient. But... How about your car? What can you do in your home to make your car, um, or actually to integrate your car, I should say? Uh, I do want to mention that I am an electric vehicle driver. I have a little BMW i3. It's my bombing around car. I love it. Uh, it's not my family car. You know, we have other vehicles in, in the stable, but it's the one that I choose to uh, to get around in. And one of the nice things, of course, is all I got to do is drive it in the garage and plug it in every two days. And it uh, gives me exactly what I need. Uh, with us right here right now is Julian Sale. Julian is with Motorize, your EV store. Julian, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Tony. So uh, I bumped into you a little while ago, Julian, talking about uh, importing cars. It didn't occur to me until afterwards that you are like the foremost expert locally here in electric vehicles. Um, Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> so, so tell us, what's your take on electric vehicles? I mean, you don't need to sell me because I have one. Uh, but for people who are listening to a home show, we're talking now about cars, and and we'll, we'll wrap it up nicely at the very end. But tell us about EV EV electric vehicles. Well, it's more than just a car. For a lot of people, it's a bit of a lifestyle decision, a lifestyle choice. Um, with our l latest uh, round of advertising, we're focusing on lifestyle choices that people make. And if, if 
if uh, if you're the kind of person who likes to recycle and uh, swap out light bulbs and you're thinking about solar and you're making a sort of societal shift change you're trying to adapt to a, a more modern way of thinking then an electric car should fit really well into your lifestyle um, it uh, provides the same transportation that a regular gas car does with the exception of long trips uh, for the most part mm-hmm. but uh, it's uh, the most uh, simple and easy car to own regardless of what brand it is yeah, well actually the first thing I'm thinking about is maintenance because there is virtually no maintenance on an electric car does that mean that you miss going to the mechanic? Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, like I said, I have other. I got another vehicle too, so we got our mechanic uh, uh, fill uh, fill out of, out of that. But you keep him around for a bit. Th- yeah. That's right. That's right. But I mean, there's there since there's no reciprocal um, uh, engine uh, in the car, there's not the moving parts like uh, valve work and oil changes and all that kind of They're stuff. They're missing a lot of components. You know, customers uh, talk to me about electric vehicles and they say, "What? how does it compare for maintenance? And I usually refer to uh, something we all know in the home is a ceiling fan. How many times have you called the ceiling fan repairman? Ah, Never. Interesting. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to fail. They do have brakes and tires and whatnot, windshield wipers, yeah, suspension, um, you've yeah. got to uh, lubricate every once in a while. If you hit a pothole, you might need an alignment, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, the regular maintenance is uh, non-existent. Yeah. So the, the experience of driving an electric car, for those who haven't driven one, uh, one of the neat things, of course, is uh, you have all your torque just from right off the start. I got to say, it's one of my favorite uh, components of driving is the amount of uh, get-up-and-go we have with electric cars. Yeah, the, ex- the initial acceleration is unbelievable. It's unbeatable. Yeah, and and for for many, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain the difference. Uh, I mean, I, I find myself kind of explaining it sometimes like a it's like a big golf cart for anyone who's driven an electric golf cart. Um, I think you're doing it a dis disservice, but uh, <laughs> you know you got to put people in an electric car to let them know uh, what it's really like, and I find that I can't describe it to people. So a, a test drive always. Uh, gets the job done every time. Yeah, since we're talking about technology today, I mean, obviously technology has changed a lot with electric vehicles. I mean, we I don't think we even had them. Like the Prius seemed to be like the, the first big mass market um, hybrid car. Um, it would have been maybe 10 years ago now? Uh, much longer than that. 98, actually, the oh. first Prius came out. That was the first mass produced uh, hybrid electric car that we had. So that was uh, 19 years ago. Yeah. And uh, now we're shifting towards full electric. We see things like Tesla, of course. They don't have any sort of uh, engine or motor in them. Uh, yeah, just an electric motor with a lithium-ion battery, but no internal combustion components there whatsoever. But, yeah, uh, now, and one of the things, of course, that people have to get over when they start driving an electric car is this whole, um, what do we call it again? Range when, anxiety. Range anxiety. That's right. Yeah, when see, you're, you're an EV owner, and you didn't remember range anxiety. It just goes I to show. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't have it either. You know, I, I do over 200 kilometers a day routinely in my electric car. Not every day, but it happens, you know, yeah. running around kids and whatnot. Well, because you're in Souk, right? Yeah, yeah, Souk to Sydney every day, and uh, yeah, I, I get around quite a bit. My son also drives an electric car, and he's uh, he's 20 years old. He had a gas car for six months, and he said, Dad, I, I don't know how people can drive gas cars. This is ridiculous. Oh, that's something I've never yeah. considered before. We're here with Julian Sale from Motorize, your EV store, uh, talking about uh, electric cars. I, that has never occurred to me before, people who um, are used to electric cars going backwards. Well, it, just consider uh, consider a young child nowadays if you show them a phone with a cord on it they're going to wonder what you're talking about just like your introduction to the show you know an eight track and a vhs and a cassette tape these young young folks don't need to relate to that it's just irrelevant now and gas cars 
are becoming irrelevant to young drivers who are just getting on the road if given the opportunity to look at electric or gas. They just can't understand why a driver might want to own a gas car. They, yeah. they can't see the value there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned it at the very beginning of this uh, segment here, too. I mean, one of the things is range, because if you're I'm going to Campbell River for a conference next week and I can't take the BMW. Um, there so is a time penalty for sure, you know, and the, the most uh, most short range electric cars are city slickers for sure. And if you want to take a longer road trip, you need to make sure you have a car that will charge on a fast charge uh, service, which some do, some don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to take you a little bit more time to get there because you will be making a stop. So there is a, a you have to alter your lifestyle if you want to do it. So I think a few years down the road, when we have cars with longer range, it's not going to be a factor at all. Yeah, actually, there, there's a couple of other benefits that that I want to bring up here. Uh, first of all, I enjoy going to a Hotel Vancouver in Vancouver, the Fairmont. Yeah, and you get prime parking and you free get charging. Pr- free charging and free parking. Last time I was there for electric cars. Yes. Yeah. What was what's normally like a fifty-three dollar a night uh, 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 fee? So obviously, you know, so you they, save on gas and you save on the parking. I love that. So it takes me to Vancouver. I charge for the days I'm there, and it takes me home. That's a lot of fun. The other thing too is uh, at Christmas time, I couldn't help but notice that at uh, Bay Center here, when the parking lot is full, there's always an open spot at the EV uh, yeah, charging station, and they're right next to the entrance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe we shouldn't tell too many people this. No, it's supposed to be a little secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, connecting this whole conversation about cars, I love cars. I- I'm a car guy. I know you are as well, too, because you're, you're a uh, broker. You're an auto broker, right? Yeah. Um, how, what does this have to do with houses? Because it's, it's a real estate show here. Let's talk about how people charge the car. Absolutely, yeah. You know, a popular misconception when I first got into the industry was that we all had to rely on the public charging network. But uh, after owning an electric car and and going electric uh, for just over three years, I can tell you that I do 95% of my charging at home. Yeah. Um, it's it's much much the same as having a cell phone. Um, when when talking with consumers about whether an EV might be right, I asked, "Do you have a lot of problems keeping your cell phone charged?" And the responsible folks say, "No, I never let my cell phone run dead. Perfect, you can drive an EV." Ah, oh, interesting. And uh, those people who say, "Oh yes, it's been dead for a day, and I I always run it dead," you're not ready for an EV. But uh, to have home charging uh, does a few things. Uh, it Not only does it save you the 10 or 15 minutes you would spend going to the gas station, but it allows you to have a real seamless transi- transition from your daytime routine to your to your, your getting home routine. Pull in the driveway, um, get out of the car, grab your bag, whatever you like, close the door, plug the car in and walk in. And going to a gas station is now not, uh, not a factor anymore. So it does have social benefits. Yeah. Well, it's funny. In my electric car, the only times I stop in the gas station are when I need a drink or a pack of gum or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I feel strange pulling into the gas station because I, you know, for many years I pulled up alongside the pump and you'd pump 20 or 50 bucks or whatever and go and get a pack of gum. But now I pull into the pump and then I think, oh, geez, no, I've got to park off to the side here because I can't buy gas, you know. Exactly. I don't miss paying the money. I can tell you that. So let's talk about these home charging stations. So so basically this is something that you'd attach uh, in your garage or, or, well, so people park both inside and outside. It doesn't have to be inside inside nope, a garage. either or. Inside, outside, or somewhere remote away from the house, uh, as long as you can get uh, some 240-volt power there. Uh, no, you, you're you talking dryer. That's basically a dryer uh, outlet people are accustomed to. Yeah, some people, um, well, I'll tell you, most of the installs are done as a, as a one-off uh, install, and few of them have plugs, but some customers do 
choose to have a plug so they can remove a charging station later if they want to upgrade to a bigger car, bigger charger or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a simple uh, call to, uh, I mean, we Someone like Esteban? Yeah, we actually uh, contract through Esteban well, uh, for our convenient. charger installs. Yes. Uh, so I was happy to see him here today. Yeah. But uh, no, it's really simple uh, for an electrician. It is no more complicated than installing a, a spare circuit for, for a dryer or something like that. It's a 240-volt circuit. Very simple install. Um, and, you know, I'm embarrassed to say this. I don't know how much power my car draws. I don't know how, how, how much more it has added to my hydro bill. Obviously, you would know this. How, yep. how much? Yeah, for any car smaller than a Tesla, lighter than a Tesla, you're going to pay about three cents per kilometer. Uh, to drive one of these cars. Um, so it, uh, it it's an awful lot less than gasoline. Um, if you can look at your gas bill, figure out how many kilometers you go and break that down to the cents per kilometer, you can do the math. But most cars are between 10 and 25 cents per kilometer. And EVs, like your car, will be 3 cents per kilometer. Yeah, so, what, I mean, what is that? I'm trying to do some quick math in my head. That's, so about, that could be like 40 bucks a month or something? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about 75 bucks a month. Okay. But uh, for the average family around Victoria, using a car for all their regular duties on a daily 30-kilometer uh, you know, round trip, you're probably 30 to 40 yeah, But bucks. again, I mean, you're doing souk to Sydney. So yeah. you, you're, you are a heavy driver. Oh, yeah. Okay. So interesting. You know, here we are uh, again talking about um, uh, turning your house into a, into a power plant into a fueling station. Absolutely. I mean, what's next, right? Uh, yeah, home battery storage is next. And uh, in other parts of the world, uh, um, electrical vendors are trying to rely on electric vehicles to power the grid when the grid has a high demand. So when you get thousands of electric cars plugged into the grid, um, they become battery storage, which can put energy into the grid when the grid needs it. So electric cars are more than just uh, battery storage for the propulsion of the car. They're becoming part of the, the electrical infrastructure. Holy cow. I, I think my brain just exploded there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to consider. Well, is, you, yeah. you know, so again, you started this, this conversation here talking about lifestyle. Because mm-hmm. it, it is, electric vehicles really are a, a lifestyle. Like, uh, we all know about uh, apps. Like, you, on your phone, you can download apps that show you all of the uh, charging stations nearby. I, like I said, I travel, so I go to Lower Mainland. I know where to go, you know, where to charge. And uh, your car tells you as well. Yeah. And uh, staying at, at hotels. Hotels, I'll know which car to bring if the hotel has a charger or there's a charger nearby. Absolutely. So you just hit a critical point there. You're uh, letting me know the same thing every other EV driver does. If you have the opportunity to take the electric car, it wins every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially in a big town like Vancouver. I love my little car. We're here with uh, Julian Sale. He's from Motorize Your EV Electric Store. Julian, how do people reach you if they need to get in touch with you? Uh, Really simple. You can visit us online at motorize.ca or give us a call at 250-655-3534. Yeah. Also, we had on the call today Keith Johnson from Insight Automation. And with us here is Esteban torres Bonet from Amped Electrical. Esteban, how can people get in touch with you again? Uh, They can get in touch with us through our phone number. It's 250-882-5282. Or they can look us up online at ampedelectricalcontracting.com. So many neat things to talk about today. Uh, If you're just catching the tail end of the show, don't forget, you can find us on the website, cfax1070.com, or go into iTunes for our podcast, which is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. And if you have any questions about real estate, give us a call at 250-414-6540. Next week, we'll have the Mayor of Victoria, Lisa Helps, talking about housing affordability. See you then. The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. 